This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest with us, a very unique guest with us, incredible man of God, very excited that he was um, open and able to join us on Apostolic Theory. Um, we have uh, Bishop Clifton Jones, and uh, Brother Jones, would you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself, and then we'll get right into what you've prepared. Well, I've been on earth since 1940. I <laughs> I heard the gospel in 1961, obeyed it the same day I heard it, and uh, that's been about 60 plus years ago, and I live, I reside in Philadelphia, Mississippi, that is not my birthplace as far as the city is concerned, but the state is my birth state, and uh, after hearing the gospel, getting some input from my instructor and some training. Uh, about six years after I heard it, I ended up in Philadelphia, been here ever since, 55 years. I, I've been trying my best to make plain and simple the gospel that I understand. And here tonight, I want to try to share a lesson that I think is past due. It is highly necessary, important, and it is also needful. When I, when, I, when I said that, I was sharing with my wife today that we spend much time overlooking the fact of where we are, what we have, where it came from, yeah. what it wants to do, and what we must do not to get in the way of what he has in mind. So that's, that's where I am. So by the grace of God, I'm going to invite you to look at a passage of scripture in the second chapter of the book of Titus. Titus chapter number two. I'm reading, beginning with verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present mm. world. That's far enough. And from those verses, I would like to offer a subject that I feel is very needful for the hour in which we live. Uh, and the strength, the foundation, the focus, the mirror, or whatever you want me to say of my subject is found in verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And my subject matter is holy living is for this world. Uh -huh. uh, living is for where? <laughs> for this present world. And Amen. to 
make it as well is to eliminate the responsibility that goes with preparation to make that departure. It stands to reason that God would not make such a high demands on us knowing our hearts have not been changed. Mm. Now, it is what he did in us that allows him to say to us what wow. we need him to get going in the direction that is needful to fulfill the call that's upon our life. When I look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 17, it plainly says to me, for if any man, any man, be in Christ, <laughs> he is, not might be, or would be good if he was, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. All things are become new. Now, with that being said, Every believer can be sure that the new birth comes with a new heart, a new confidence, future, hope, and defense. We are not just put out there in order to do something without the necessary equipment, information, instruction, direction to get the job done. Every believer, when you and I received God's spirit in us, it made us brand new creations, creatures. It gave us a new heart, new mind, new outlook, new intake. Everything was made new. And by faith, F-A-I-T-H, the believer is better served when he or she starts drawing from the strong confidence seen in our God when he moved inside of us. Now, what do you mean strong confidence in God when he moved inside of us? And man, only God, knowing what he knows about us, knowing the condition that we were in, who but God can successfully and move inside of us and change what's wrong with us and do in us what pleases him. Only God. Only God. God is confidence in the purity that resides in him. See, he is holy. Now, he's not trying to be holy. He's not talking out of the side of his mouth a brand of holiness. The holy God is so confident in the purity of his holy. He willingly moves inside of the unholy, knowing his ability is to make them holy who believe in him. Our appetite for him is the thing that opens the door for him to do in us what is pleasing to him. Uh, 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 when, I, when I thought about, look back at that verse again, that for any man be like he is a new creature, new creature, 
old things will pass away and behold, all things will come new. The problems that you and I encounter, the newness of the creation is not the problem. Mm -hmm. It is the desire, the will, the surrender to it and allow it to work in us as he alone can do. And furthermore, we only know what goes on in this world. We have become so familiar with this world. We have seen so much of this world. We have experienced so many things that this world has to offer. And as a result, it is sometimes challenging for us to raise the level of our heart, mind, soul, spirit, that there is a place better than this place. There is a place more gratifying than this place. Place that is more complete than this place. There's a place that brings a level of pleasure that this place has no way of producing. I tell people that are listening to me, nothing gets a human being in trouble more than that desire for satisfaction and the pursuit of does not satisfy and leave that which does as if it does not exist. When we go out to something made by God rather than the God who made it, we end up with an emptiness, a confusion, heaviness, a burden, a distraction, a bondage, a blindness <clears throat> that causes us to behave as if God does not exist. <laughs> Our God, who is holy, get that takes up residence in the lives of the unholy in order to make the us like him. I love saying that. God moved inside of us to make us like him. And when I say make us like him, not make us holy. To equip us so that he can take us home with him. He moved inside of us, knowing everything that's wrong with us, to change the wrong thing, make them right in his sight, and prepare us to take us with him home. Home. Yeah, rule. We love to talk about heaven, but for that concern, wherever Jesus is, it's, it's, it's heaven right there. No doubt about it. Uh, he comes in with full knowledge of our sinful condition. He is not afraid because of who he is, what he has, and what he can do. Healing to him opens up to him the freedom to put in us what is necessary and to deliver us from what is holding us back. Oh my God. When you think about God's great knowledge of us before, after, doing, it, it tells you God really want us. That's not the problem. He really want us. 
And allow me to say it one more time. He wants to make us like him. He wants the brand, the quality of holiness that resides in him to operate in us so that we can produce a likeness of him. We can represent him. We can show a world what he's like without them even knowing he exists. Seeing something so pure, so so realistic, so dynamic, intriguing until the blind mind will have to know there's a power greater than me. Oh, there's a source beyond me. There's a knowledge that I don't have. We have in both testament, not just one testament, both testament word, the word of God on the safety of one trusting in him. See, nothing moves the enemy more than seeing a believer trusting God. Nothing keeps him busier than putting forth an effort to try to get trust. He wants us to abandon our confidence in God and become so fearful of what we see what we think, what we feel, what is surrounding us, that we believe that it is virtually impossible to make the journey. That's what the enemy wants. He wants. But God's word feeds us with the level of confidence necessary to, for continuation. All right, in Isaiah chapter uh, 45, verse number 17, Israel shall be saved in the Lord. <laughs> with an everlasting salvation ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. what God has worked and if the devil could stop it he would have stopped it long before you and I got here but since he can't stop it it's best for us to depend on it and let it work in us fulfill this purpose through us and bring us into the place designated by him that we might endure his presence forever. Forty-five, 45-24, surely shall one say in the Lord, I have righteousness oh, yes. and strength. Even to him shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. And verse 25 of that same 45 chapter, in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall be glorified. The, the fifth chapter of Romans and the fourth and fifth chapter of Romans back up that verse, my good. John 14 and 20, at that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you and i would tell anybody there's nothing that gives confidence courage boldness relaxation strength vigor or whatever you want me to say more than the knowledge of his presence with it i don't care how severe the problem is if you can ascertain that god has not left i got this disease but god didn't leave town he knew it before the doctor did that's the kind of mindset we must have in the face of difficulties, trials, tribulation. Uh -huh. It is high 
that we look at what we have and not focus on what's trying to have us. Come on. No want to swallow us up. God want to take us up. So let's on the one that want to take us up and let him do what he does best, manifest himself in the midst of difficulties and trials, and make known that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, sometimes we act like the greater one is the one that's causing the trouble. I dare you to pause long enough to ask the question, where did the devil come from? And most of us that Instead of the Bible, believe he's cast out of heaven. Uh, if he's no since he was cast out, <laughs> then you got to ask who cast him out. But uh, if he could cast him out of heaven, don't you think he can get him out of us? Uh, don't you believe that his power working in us accomplished the task, the job at hand, the assignment by him for us, through us, and in us? St. John chapter 15, verse number 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringing forth white fruit. But without me, you can do no thing. Nothing without me. That's why we must depend on him in the face of the greatest trial of your life. I remember almost, uh, I guess it had been at least about 40 years ago. Man, I was heavy. Heavy. Went in the room, stretched out on the bed, on my back, looking up at the ceiling. And while I was laying there, I started thinking. And I heard the voice of God trickle my spirit to respond to him by saying, Lord, I'm so glad I know you. When I said that, my God, I sprang up off of that bed. Went down the hallway, and I've been on my feet ever since. Why? Because the problem that I was looking at, I was viewing it from the wrong perspective. I was thinking about how great it was. I wasn't thinking about how great the God is who delivers. I wasn't looking at the fact that he saw the problem before I did, that he's the answer to every problem. When I started looking at him, I couldn't stay on that bed on my back. It was time to get on my feet and start moving in the right direction. In First Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30, here's what it said. But of him are ye in Christ. Well, in Christ. And what does that mean? Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness? And sanctification and redemption. My God, my God, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Let us keep in mind all true holiness was not made by man. It is a requirement of the one that provides it. The producer of holiness is the one that calls for holiness, and he not calling but when you get to heaven, this is to be displayed in this present world. In this present world, in this present world, the call of holiness is in both testament, not just in uh, some of the uh, Bible, but the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter eleven, verse 
44. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourself. And ye shall be holy. For I am holy. Huh? That's what he's saying. Yeah. He's talking to the Old Testament saints. And when we come to the New Testament. Uh, we need to keep in mind. It does not mean a, a, a set of different people. It means the time in which he is speaking for the generation that's at hand. But what applies to them applies to you and I. In St. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 74, that he would grant unto us, us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Hallelujah. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Yes. Holiness is not just a nice thing. Holiness is not just a denomination. One the biggest mistake the world has made the nominalizing Christism and overlook the fact that all of God is holiness. Holiness. Wow. I don't care what label is on your jar. It's the contents in the jar that makes the difference. I have some jars uh, that I put some pickles in. But some of the jars says uh, jelly. Some says peaches or whatever. But the content, it says pickles. When God makes you holy, that means you're under obligation to produce what he put in you in this present world. Not holy when you get to heaven. Holy so you won't be hindered from getting there. You won't be distracted from getting there. You won't be bamboozled, misled, misguided, but deceived for all the days of your life. We are to live holy. Not just at church, not just in a religious club, but when not just when people are watching you, <laughs> not just when you're under observation, but every day. Because why? The eyes of the Lord never play behold the evil and the good. There's nothing hidden before Him whom we have to do, but all things are naked and open. He see what's going on. There's not a thought that crosses my mind that God does not breathe. There's not a word that comes out of my mouth He does not hear. There's not an action carried out by me he does not see. God has no problem with glaucoma, retinitis, pignatosa, he does not have cataract. He can see what goes on. He can hear and he says what's going on. Now, bear in mind, when God makes such demands on us to be holy, that gives him a responsibility to produce what it takes to make it happen. I like the way Peter said that in, in 1 Peter chapter number 2, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter number 1, and verse number 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promise that by these we might be partakers, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption, that is in the world through lust. God, I tell people that are listening to me, when God gave us his Holy Spirit, he did not give us a spirit different from what he is. It is 
the same Holy God, Holy Spirit dwelling in a person to make him holy like who ordained it and ordered it. He would not expect us to be holy aside from us receiving the holiness in which he is so that we have the ability to produce what he's calling for. That is the kind of God we serve. We can conclude upon what the Lord deposited in us is the thing that gives him the right to expect what it is capable of producing. He gave us his divine nature. He knows the potential that resides in that nature. It can produce his likeness. It can carry out his will. It can open up his way. That's why he gave it to us so we could come from darkness to light. From lostness to this wonderful plan called salvation. See, we, we, we have to remind ourselves the spirit that God put in me came from him. It originated from above. <clears throat> it is a stranger in this present world. There is absolutely nothing in this world that brings the satisfaction to it except the repentance of a person's soul who wants more of it and a willingness to surrender to it that God might walk in that life to the glory of his great name. See, when you think about where the spirit of God came from, it came from a holy God. And therefore, nothing in this carnal system appeals to it. And you and I better serve when we understand the spirit that resides in us holds no interest in the things around us. And therefore, we must listen closer to it in order to bypass the thing that's threatening for our attention, striving for our appeal, and trying to intrigue us that we need more of what it has to offer, knowing all the time that this world is perishing. It's coming to an end. We need something that goes beyond tomorrow. We need something that has no end in. And only that which comes from God. For God so loved the world that he came. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. That's what we need more than anything. Everlasting life. God's Holy Spirit was given us with one mission, and that mission is to get us through here back to him. He gave it to us with the intent for it doing the work in us and prepared us that upon the return of his spirit, we will be sanctified and holy enough to go all the way with him. I like the way Paul said that thing in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 7, for God has not called us 
you uncleanness. See, this world is filthy. This world is sin polluted. This world is so blinded by sin until it think it has to continue in sin, not knowing Jesus paid the price to deliver us from sin and willing to move inside of us to deliver us out of sin and to keep us sanctified and holy so we won't want to go back into sin. Now, our God in us means a lot. It tells the story. God in us. So what Paul? God did not call us under unpleasing. What did he call us under? Unholiness. Uh-huh. I, I like the way Peter said that thing in First Peter chapter two and verse number eleven. He said he's pleaded with us, speaking from experience, observation, knowledge, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He lays us in our lap, tell him love. I beseech you, which means to beg. I beg you, as strangers and pilgrims. That's the point. You and I need to realize after receiving the Holy Ghost. We are not home. We just received our ingredients to take us home, our transportation to get us home, our way to get home. Uh, so, therefore, we must be more inclined to listen to the leadership of the Spirit, lest at any time we should deviate off course and end up missing out on an opportunity that was afforded us by the visit of the Spirit into us. Oh, Peter, what you said, and I'm not going to seek you as strangers and pure, as strange, act like you don't belong here. Abstain. Leave alone. Involve in. Fleshly lust, which war against your soul. My body was born in this world, experienced in this world, educated in this world, has full knowledge of the thing that goes on in this world, and if I am not careful, this is all it will want us in this world. The change that we brought, brought up in my spirit has awakened my understanding and given an appeal to my soul that says I am from another world. I want to go home. I'll do anything necessary. I want to go home. I'll give that I thought was gratifying, satisfying, thrilling, pleasurizing, exhilarating. I'll give it up to make the journey home. That's the person that overcomes the impulse of what he or she feels. That's why Paul told us in Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit. Walk under the influence of the Spirit. Walk under the leadership of the Spirit. Walk under the guidance of the Spirit. Uh-huh. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Huh? And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My flesh did not get saved, will not get saved, will not be saved. My flesh will return to the dust from whence it came. And the condition of my spirit that resides in this flesh is counting on me to surrender to the leadership of the Spirit and not allow the things of this life to contaminate me and distract me from making my journey with my Lord. One more time. This I say then, which is about this I say then, walk in the Spirit. When you walk under the direction, the 
leadership of the spirit, you can rest assured your safety is checking the scripture to make sure that you are complying with what is written. There is no conflict between spirit and word. If the word says it, the spirit believes it and willing to act on it. Don't ever think that the word omits something and the spirit has the understanding. The spirit works in conjunction with the word. Walk in the light as he is in the light. If you think you have eternal life, now such a scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life, they are they which testify of me. Don't get so spiritually deep that you can't find any scripture to support your death. Because that might be deception. And that is happening so frequently in this present world. In this present world. <clears throat> in, in, in the 17th verse, I, I, I won't leave Galatians 5 without mentioning 17. Because 17 offers the reason why you and I need to be more spiritually in dial and search the scripture more closely and yield in obedience to the direction given by God's word. Because it says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the flesh wants what it wants, the flesh has not been saved, will not be saved, is not satisfied, like what it sees, like what it hears, want to feel more of what it has felt. But we are in a position to say to our flesh, no way, I will not allow you to indebt my soul to such a degree. I must spend eternity paying for the debt made by you for a few moments of pleasure. Can't do it. Can't do it. See, the pleasures of his life are passing with the world. It's passing along. It's going to be over. I don't care what thrills you today. If it is natural, there's an end to it. But that which credit for us spiritually, there is no end in sight. Oh, yeah. Two more minutes, and now I guess I'll start uh, doing something <clears throat> why did you, Why does the word of God tell us to remind you that you're new? Remind you that you can't follow the lust of your flesh. It's contrary to your spirit. It cannot be followed and please God, too. In Ephesians chapter four and verse 22 it tells you how since you know you and I are warned how not to Ephesians 4:22 tell us how to that you put off concerning the former conversation the whole lifestyle get rid of it if you were that way yesterday and was born again today we do not expect you tomorrow to act in the same corrupt manner in which you did day before yesterday. That is not holiness. Holiness brings change. Holiness reveals God. Holiness seeks to please Him. Holiness is anti-sin in. It does not agree with the ways of this world, but it is designed to condition us that we might live in the present of evil without practicing the acts of evil. All right. One more time. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off and the form of conversation. The 
whole man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's why you need to put him off. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind. See, always remember, salvation is a heart thing. When God moves into us, he changed what's wrong with us in the part of us that makes decisions. And when he sanctifies us with what he has in him, he expects us to behave differently because we have a heart transplant. Oh, yeah, a new heart. That poor man being in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Righteousness. We are made righteous by the righteous one. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. For he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took up on him what killed us, died to pay the debt by us, then moved inside of us to bring what he has in himself to make us like him. Oh yeah, make us like him. And it plainer than that verse, Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on, put on, the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It don't get any plainer. See, we put him on, and you know, you not know, like you put on your shirt or put on your jacket or whatever, or your nightgown or whatever, but put it on in the sense we enclose our thinking and our feeling, our appetite, our intention, our desire with the things that are righteous. I like what Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Yeah. They shall be filled. Well, I don't know, but I got news for you. I can't tell everything I know in one setting, but I'm going to get, uh, back off now and let uh, my host tell me where to go from, from here. But I, I tell you one thing. I believe what I believe to such a degree that I'm willing to die for what I have. You're looking at a guy several months ago, the doctor diagnosed me to have cancer flooding throughout my body. The doctor looked more pitiful than I did. He said, sir, your body is flooded with cancer. And uh, I don't remember the exact, but it's been over nine, eight or nine months. But anyway, I went back two weeks later and I said, Doctor, I'm so glad that when you told me that, I didn't panic. Because God knew before you did what was going on. Cancer does not make God small. And neither does it make him leave town. It does not take him out of the operating business. So 
All I need to do is focus on what he told me to do and let him follow my thought. That's where I am today. Uh, do you still have somebody that said, hey, I'm not trying to find what I got. I'm trying to use what I have. I know I have a God Come on. and I want to use that to the last breath leave my body. That is why he put me on planet earth to operate through me. So I don't want to waste my time worrying. Well, and furthermore, the more I worry about anything, the bigger the problem becomes and the less confidence I have in God's ability to deliver. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the answer. The answer will not change. The problem will get bigger as you give energy to it. But the answer is standing waiting on you to say, yes, Lord, you will be done. Pastor, tell me what else you want me to do. (laughs) This is, oh, brother, this is, Bishop, this is tremendous. This is going to bless so many people because they're going to be looking at things differently. And I feel like in our movement, we have a lot of people that decrease holiness to just a, uh, a a physical standard. And and while there should be physical standards, that's not the end all be all because it has to be inward and we have to show the fruit thereof, which in turn, is revealed in the way that we dress, the way that we act, the things that we say, the places that we go, the places that we don't go, the conversations that we don't have. And so it is tremendous. I mean, you just hit the nail right on the head. And this has been, I mean, I don't know that there's really anything else to say outside of what has already been said. All right, well, let me say this. I just shared this, uh, my wife and I, I was, we're riding this evening, and I was saying to her, baby, the more disciplined a person is, the better able he or she is to behave in the manner in which God expects. It is our allowance of our human nature to run free, to do as it please, that has caused the problem that we're facing. See, we must tell ourselves that I cannot align my behavior with the system of this world and please God at the same time. So I refrain from doing things not because the thing itself is a sin, but the spirit that promotes it leads to sin. Come on. too long, I want to sin, and before I know it, I act as if I can't stop sinning. That's what, that's what, that's why discipline is so important. I try, and I've been doing this for years, I tell myself what it can do and can't do. Uh, if I drink, if I'm drinking something, uh, and it's, I mean, mighty good, I tell myself, not another swallow. Now that's not just, that's to train me that I can't just do what I want to do. See, that's a place you got to learn how to stop. Hit the bricks every now and then. We are seeing holiness uh, toyed with. Why? Because people feel that as long as they're right at church, only some, those who observe me see me as right. 
No. How does God see you? Mm. When the lights are out, that's the real me. When I'm by myself, that's the real me. The thinking that goes through my mind, that's the real me. We must learn how to become angry with ourselves when our thinking is corrupt, rotten, stinking, and misrepresent God. Nobody else know it, but I felt. See, I'll give you an example. Here you're driving down the main street. This guy pulled out in front of you, driving about seven miles per hour in the main street. To watch that thought that comes into your mind and the picture you paint of that thought. Because God sees that. Yeah. And he knows that. All right. God bless <laughs> hey, you, Pastor. Oh, if you bro. think that's enough, I'm satisfied. Well, Bishop, this has been uh, a mighty blessing. Um, before we close this episode, uh, I, I, I want you to just really dig deep, really just, 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 you know, speak your heart. What is one thing that you want whoever has listened this far this episode to walk away from this episode with? I would like for a person to T-H-I-N-K. When we think, we also look. Look at yourself. In, in this society, we spend too much time knowing who's not right and this, that, and other. What about me? Hmm. Pay close attention to myself. I want whoever hears us to have the attitude of the psalmist that said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That somebody just said, examine me. Examine me. Check me out. I want to pass your inspection. I want your approval upon my life based upon behavior you see in me that is pleasing to you. And anything that bothers you, Lord, I want you to like my heart to such mm. a degree I would do something about the condition willingly and obediently. So I I am one of those ministers that want to wake up something in people. That's my job. Yeah. My job, I believe, is to make you T-H-I-N-K. Make you L-O-O-K. Make you sense where you are, what you do. See, nothing triggers revival in a person more than looking at where you are Looking at where you've been, and then take a look at where you're headed. And where you are is not where you were, and you want to get back what you had, then you'll cry with the psalmist that said, uh, cleanse thou me from secret hope, and keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Uh, when you start thinking like that, you're looking with intent and purpose. You're seeing yourself not just a, a, a religious person, but a person seeking to please God. That's what it's about. If it's not about pleasing Him, it's not about anything. That's the whole totality. So if I can wake up somebody to, to take a close, closer look at himself or herself, I feel that the message was a success. If you just take a look. Uh, Here's what I'll share with people that will listen closely. Now, a certain question you ask yourself at a funeral. 
if that was me, would I be better off or worse off? Where I am at this present moment, would I be successful in the journey? Or what, do I need to get some things straight before I go any farther? Uh, the psalmist said uh, 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 that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. So wake up my mind to make me aware that salvation is real, God is real, heaven is real, and God is not so hard up he's taking anything. It's either it's an ugly saying, it's either holiness or hell. You, you, you try to middle ground it, you want it dangerous. You can try to think that God might be taking a nap, risky. God is looking, listening, and he knows. See, he knows what I've heard. He knows what I've been taught me. And he knows whether or not I'm striving to carry out what was offered me. Or am I doing it my way? This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.